Amen. Thank you, Margaret, very much for praying. And thank you, Noah, for, uh, for reading for us this morning. Uh, it'd be great to have your Bible back open, whether you're in chapel or at home. Uh, let's be looking at the words of Jesus together. Um, let's have your noses in God's word and let's, let's pray, shall we, uh, as we come to look at that passage together. Father in heaven, we do thank you for these words of Jesus that we've been looking at over these last three or four weeks. And Father, as we come to hear again this morning, as we come to think about these words, we pray, Lord, that our ears wouldn't only be open, but our hearts also responsive and ready to put into practice all that you'd have to say to us this morning, Lord. And we ask these things for the glory of your name and for the, the salvation of those lost souls. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, we began this uh, short series uh, on mission a few weeks ago now by describing Matthew chapter 10 as the, as the finest coaching manual ever written on how to prepare God's people for the work of mission. In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, we have the privilege of watching the Lord Jesus in action as he goes from town to town across the whole region of Galilee, healing the sick and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, his heart bursting with compassion for lost and leaderless people. And in chapter 10, after months of heavy investment, Jesus gathers the 12 disciples to him before sending them out to be his workers in his harvest field. And as we've seen over these last few weeks, he sends them out not only with clear instructions of what to do, but also realistic expectations of what will be. Jesus wants the disciples to, to, to approach the work of mission with their eyes fully open. He wanted them to understand, and he wants us to understand just how demanding it can be living on the front line for him. And the main pitch that Jesus uses to help set our expectations, we looked at last week back in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, it says this, Jesus says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, the question I want to begin with this morning is this, how does that make you feel? As you look at verse 16, what is the one word maybe that comes into your head to, to, to describe how you're feeling when you're faced with the reality of that verse? Excited, maybe. To be a part of what Jesus is doing in this world, to, to be sent by Jesus, to be on Jesus's team. Daunted, maybe, by the size of the harvest field and the, the sheer scale of the work that is before us. Unmoved, maybe. I don't feel like a sheep. As far as I'm aware, I don't know any wolves. But I think the word that jumps straight to mind for most people is scared. You see, there's a lot of people out there who want to silence the message of the gospel. And the way they do that is by going after the messengers. The aim of the wolves is to destroy the sheep. And that's why evangelism is such a or can be such a frightening prospect today, whether we're whether we're witnessing to Muslims in a, in a radical part of northern Nigeria or whether we're leaning across our garden fence and talking to our next door neighbor, standing up for Jesus and defending the truth in a world that is hostile to the gospel can be a scary place to be. And that's why one of the biggest dangers facing the church today is that of retreat, 
that, that, we, that we pull back instead of staying out there on the front line for Jesus where we're meant to be. We, instead, we, we retreat back to the safety of the sheep pen. Why? Because our natural instinct is that of self-preservation. And that's why Jesus continues as he does today in verse 26 with a threefold call to not be afraid. Verse 26, verse 28, and verse 31. Don't be afraid of the wolves, says Jesus. Don't be afraid of those who oppose the gospel. Don't be afraid of those who seek to, to silence the Christian voice. Don't be afraid of evangelism. And with each call to be fearless, Jesus gives us a reason why. And each of these three reasons this morning, as we'll see, is grounded in the character of God, of who God is. Firstly, don't be afraid. Keep speaking, because one day all will be revealed. Have a look down verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. The them there is those who oppose the gospel. Do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What's the point? The point's a simple one, isn't it? A day is coming when all will be revealed. That which is concealed now will be revealed then. What is hidden now in the dark will one day be brought into the light. Or to put it another way, the truth will emerge in the end. And when it does, the folly of this world in rejecting Jesus and opposing those who stand with him will be clear for all to see. Don't fear the world, says Jesus. Pity the world. You see, on one level, these people might be wolf-like in their desire to silence the gospel, but we need to remember that they're also sheep-like in their lostness. Harassed and helpless souls who are heading to a hopeless eternity without Christ. And when we begin to see them like that, not as bullies to be scared of, but lost souls to be saved, our fear will be replaced with compassion and our compassion will move us to speak. Instead of running from them in fear, we will move towards them in love, which brings us to verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear proclaim from the roofs the things that you've been the things that i've been whispering in your ear says jesus as we wandered from town to town all those things that you didn't understand when i spoke in public and i i took you to one side and i explained in private what i meant all those parables that now make sense that maybe once didn't now is the time to make those things known says jesus proclaim them from the roofs and so it is with us. All those lovely gospel truths that have been whispered in your ear. All those verses of scripture that you've committed to memory over the years. All those choruses and songs that are running through your head that you've been learning maybe since Sunday school. All those things that have been passed on to you by those who've discipled you. Now is the time to make those things known. Verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, 
proclaim from the roofs. Now, of course, that doesn't literally mean we need to start scrambling up onto the top of our house. In those days, all the, the houses had flat roofs. And so if you wanted to make something public, you go up onto your roof where you could be seen and heard. The point for us is this. Don't keep Jesus to yourself. What are those places for you? Where are you going to put yourself where you can be seen and heard for the sake of Christ? We see the same principle back in Matthew chapter five. Jesus has already spoken about this concept earlier on in this gospel. Matthew five, verse 14 through to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You don't light a lamp and stick a bowl on top. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven jesus didn't die for us and save us to hide away or to be a church on retreat in retreat but to be seen and to be heard don't be afraid says jesus keep speaking because one day all will be revealed that great day of disclosure will be upon us and then secondly don't be afraid keep speaking because the soul is safe your soul is safe verse 28 do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell that's probably worth saying that 10 out of the, the 12 disciples here who were listening to Jesus as he first spoke these words were killed for their faith. Judas, of course, took his own life and the Apostle John was sent into exile on the island of Patmos. But the other 10 were all martyred for their faith in Jesus. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What was it that kept those disciples faithful to the end, even to the point of death? And the answer, at least in part, is found here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. You see, years before those disciples faced their greatest fear, Jesus was already preparing them for it. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid of those who persecute you. Don't be afraid of those who can even take your life because your soul is safe. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus is secure. And it's that same truth that has sustained countless souls and saints across the centuries. From those who were thrown to the lions and the Nero in the first century to, to those who were tortured and killed in prison cells and the communist rule in the 20th century and everything in between. And you only need to spend 10 minutes on the Open Doors website to know that in many parts of the world, things are no different at all today. In fact, last year alone, 245 million Christians experienced high levels of persecution, probably more than we ever will. 4,136 Christians were killed for their faith last year 2625 christians were detained sentenced and imprisoned without trial 
and 1,266 churches were attacked. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those are just the stats for the top 50 countries on the world watch list. It doesn't include lower levels of persecution in countries like ours. All those maybe who've been verbally abused for their faith. Those young ones who've been laughed at and mocked in the playground because of their trust in Jesus. Those who are maybe marginalized at work those who've lost their jobs in the NHS for, for praying with patients. These stats, or many of these stats, are unrecordable, but they're happening all the time, all around us in the lives of everyday Christians. And that's why the principle in verse 28 still stands for us today in our context. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Do not be afraid of those who belittle what you believe because they can do nothing to sever your relationship with Jesus Christ. Instead, we should fear the one who holds eternity in his hands. You see, the fear of man is wrong, but the fear of God is right. Can you see that there? Verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, instead, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, however intense or painful persecution may get for some this side of eternity, it is nothing, nothing compared to that which will be experienced by all those who reject Jesus forever. There is a right and awesome fear of the one who holds eternity in his hands. So let me ask you a question. And it's a question I've had to look long and hard in the mirror and ask myself this week. And the question is this, is my, is your, is our evangelism led more by a wrong fear of man or a holy fear of God? Maybe even think back to some of those uh, opportunities you've had even in this last week to, to share your faith I wonder in those moments were you more bothered about your own status and your own personal well-being or the eternal value of the soul before you because if you're anything like me there's moments when in your own personal evangelism you are you are hampered by the fear of man what people might think what people might do what people might say well if that's you then you should be praising god like me this morning because jesus gives us an antidote look in verse 28 which is a right and holy fear of god a bigger vision of who god is of God's glory, of God's majesty, of God's power, of God's authority, of God's holiness, of God's justice. Because the more we see of God and his awesome character, the less we'll worry about the wolves. As one author said, to fear the Lord is the only way to overcome the paralyzing effects of human fear which will otherwise stop us leading authentic Christian lives. Firstly, don't be afraid, keep speaking, because one day all will be revealed. 
Secondly, don't be afraid. Keep speaking because the soul is safe. And lastly, don't be afraid. Keep speaking because God knows and God cares. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus purposefully picks something of such tiny value. A common sparrow worth no more than half of one pea in Jesus' day. And he says, do you know what? Not one sparrow. Not one sparrow anywhere in the entire existence of this world will fall to the ground outside the care and the sovereign rule of our Father in heaven. Not one sparrow. To think about that another way, think about a little little wiggly garden worm, worthless in the eyes of most, I imagine. Not one garden worm will be chopped in half by a gardener's spade outside the care of our Father in heaven and his sovereign sway over all things. It's stunning, isn't it? Not one thing goes unnoticed by God in this world. Everything happens under the watchful care of the one who made all things. Do you see the point that Jesus is making? If the life of the smallest bird and the tiniest little worm is enfolded in the will of God, how much more so his own beloved children purchased by the blood of his own son? You see, it's very easy, isn't it, to get discouraged in our witness? As you know, I've been praying for my folks for, for many years, and as far as I can see, not a lot has happened. Maybe you've been doing that too. Maybe you've been praying for people far longer than I have. Does God know how much that hurts? Does he care? Maybe standing up for Jesus in the school, if you're a young person, has just been really tough these last few weeks or months. Maybe you feel ever so much alone. Does God know how you feel? Does he care? Maybe over Christmas you were you were brave and you initiated a conversation with someone who's not yet a Christian. You initiated a conversation about Christ, but it all went horribly wrong and the, the words just came out wrong. You just felt like it went it was an a complete mess. Where was God in that moment? I thought God promised to give us the words to say in the moments that we needed them most. Was God even aware of that conversation? Was he there? Does he know? Does he care? Well, the answer to all those questions, verse 29 to 31, is a resounding yes. Yes, God knows. And yes, God cares. Even the hairs on your head are all numbered, verse 30. And not one of them, not one of those little hairs in your scalp will fall to the ground outside the care and the sovereign will of your father in heaven he knows every single detail of your life every pressure you face every pain you feel every burden you bear so much so that he collects your tears in a jar psalm 56 verse 8 you have kept count of my tossings put my tears 
in your bottle. Some picture, isn't it? The tossings there speak of our miseries and our woes, and Jesus counts everyone. He collects our tears in a jar because he's with us in our trials. And that includes every tear shed on the mission field. And it includes every prayer prayed with wet eyes for those who don't yet know and love the Lord Jesus. God knows us far better than we know ourselves. And not only does he know us intimately, verse 30, but he cares for us immensely. Verse 31, every one of us is precious in his sight. So much so that the father would give up his own son to the cross, that Jesus would enter time and space and history and bear our sin and the wrath of the father on the cross in our place, that we might be brought back into that loving, lasting relationship with him. And you can see the implications for the death of our Lord Jesus in all of life in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? That's the cross. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If God gave to us, if he's already given to us, what was most precious to him, his own son, the Lord Jesus, and he gave him up to die on a cross, then we can be absolutely certain that God will not hold back one thing that will be for our good. God knows and God cares and God is more than able to provide. Well, as we draw things to a close, let's put up those three encouragements again on the screen to keep going, to keep speaking of Christ however much our knees may knock. You see, the call this morning is a call to be fearless, to be fearless in our witness, not because of who we are, but because of who God is, not because we are strong and we are able, but because God is strong and God is able. And so next time you're feeling lonely and scared in your evangelism, may the God of heaven grant you the disposition to come back to these truths that we've looked at this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 to 31, and be encouraged by these lovely promises of Jesus. Let me give you just one moment to look at those encouragements again on the screen, then I'm going to pray for us uh, before we come to sing in response. Father in heaven, it is our prayer this morning that if we know you and love you, you'd help us to be fearless in our witness to this world, not because of who we are, not because of any strength or boldness that resides naturally within us, but because of your grace, because of your power, and because of your spirit at work within our lives. Father, help us to keep in mind in these weeks ahead that one day all will be revealed, the truth will emerge, and all people will stand before their maker in judgment. 
Lord, we pray that 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 future reality will affect and impact the way that we witness and the way that we see this world in the here and now. Father, help us to know that our soul is safe, that we've been purchased at great cost by the Lord Jesus, that whatever people might do or say, they cannot touch our soul or take us away from you. And Father, we thank you as well for your wonderful knowledge of us and your immense care for us, a love and a care and a knowledge that is displayed so perfectly at the cross in the self-sacrifice of your own son. Father, we pray for ourselves this morning that if there's anything holding us back in our witness to this world, any fear of man, any concern of what people think about us, Lord, would you would you push those things to one side that we might live with a reverent, holy and right fear of the one who made us and the one who died to save us. Bless us in these weeks ahead, Lord, and we ask that the good news of Jesus would go forth from among us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.